Hello, I'm Jackie Mignot. And I'm Zach Robichaud. You're listening to A Podcast Made Flesh. Conversations about an embodied faith. We're coming to you from Treaty 7 territory, talking with all sorts of people about the Incarnation. We're not reporters or experts, but we are questioners, and we are on a quest to have a conversation about the central Christian belief that God became flesh. You know, music can change a mood and the vibe, and there is something healing about that and some in a way that we can connect with each other and even with parts of ourselves that I, I can't think of anything else that does it the same way. Welcome, Podcast Made Flesh listeners. Uh, we have a treat for you this episode. In You may have heard the music that is our intro and our outro to this podcast, and we are talking with the creator of that music, Jennifer Oikawa, today. Um, full disclosure, Jennifer and I grew up together and have been dear friends. She was my maid of honor in my wedding. Um, so I have an in with her to get her to come on the podcast and talk about what it is to be a musician and an artist, what that's like to live that out in real life, um, the ups and downs. Yeah, it's a great conversation, uh, especially in a pandemic time where her life has been um, absolutely uh, turned upside down because of the inability to play live venues and to perform and do the, the work that makes her her. Yeah, I really appreciated uh, hearing her story, uh, which we get into a fair bit, mm-hmm. um, and what a journey to being a professional musician looks like, or looked like for her anyway. Um, and then just uh, the different ways that she is a musician, as a performer, as a creator, mm-hmm. um, and then how the music affects her and how she then affects the music. Um, it was it was really fascinating for me. I, I think the reason we wanted to talk to a musician in terms of the incarnation is just to get at what it is to um, do something that's body and soul. There's a, there's a deep connection that happens uh, with music and with musicians uh, that connects a whole self. Um, so we wanted to talk about that that relationship between integrity, being a whole person, and creativity. And I think we we get at some really great things in this conversation with Jennifer. So we hope you enjoy it. Well, I'm Jennifer Oikawa, and I'm a professional musician, uh, specifically piano, keyboards, um, and we could throw jazz artists in there, some conducting in there, uh, and it's definitely gone through various progressions through the course of my life and career as to what that means. Um, lately, well, lately as in pre-pandemic lately, <laughs> a lot of my work has been in musical theater and I, I feel like musical theater chose me <laughs> in the sense that it was never something on my mind that I wanted to work towards. Not that I feel I've ever had a very clear vision of where I want to be as a professional musician, 
uh, there's always been a lot of roads that I could take and ways that that could look completely different, but still be in the realm of what I love to do and what I want to do. And yeah, musical theater was never in the mix. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly because as a, as a genre, it's, it's not my, my favorite type of music, but as a whole, I've come to really love it as a job and love being a part of live theater and mm -hmm. the musicians that I get to play with in the pits have been amazing and the kind of community that comes out of being a part of that and then also the way that the work comes in chunks so different from freelancing where I might have a gig here working on this job over here teaching some students over here with theater work locally it'll come in like I'll do a run that's like a month long or three weeks or a certain chunk of time that my schedule kind of comes in chunks like this it's not so pieced out and then with touring it I did a tour that was eight and a half months um, before the pandemic, I was on a tour that was going to last a year, two years, possibly. Mm -hmm. And so you get this longevity that, that I really like. It's a little bit closer to having a full-time job, but still doing music. So wow. those are some of the things that have kept me in musical theater. And it's that certain opportunities came up. Um, that brought me there. And then once I was there, I realized, wow, I really love this. Hmm. I, I have to ask, so you're pretty good then, because the, the, those gigs are probably pretty competitive. Yes, I'm very good at what I do. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad we could establish that early on and that it wasn't a mystery. <laughs> I, I've, I've listened, I, I mean, I've only heard your jazz, uh, the six, six song EP or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think it's fantastic. So if, if that's all you produced, wow. And thank you. Now you're also, you know, you know, you get to tour with big shows. So that, that's also pretty cool. So, mm. wow. Uh, I'm going to start because Jackie's too slow at asking questions sometimes. And yep. I like to talk. Yep. Um, <laughs> How did you get started? Was it something that your parents forced you to take lessons or as a kid, like did, did music choose you or did you choose music? I chose the piano. I feel like I fell, I fell in love with the piano before I fell in love with music. Okay. Um, that might not be right. It's a early memories. Yeah. Uh, and I love them both and they're connected. There's something about the instrument and I'm not even sure when I was first like came across a piano or, but I do know as a kid, I mean, in my baby book, it says my favorite toys were with anything that played music. Okay. And I, 
have a picture of me when I was maybe around three with a toy piano. And I have these faint memories that it was like a play by color kind of situation, you know, like row, row, row your boat. And so I just really wanted to learn to play the piano it was not some idea that anyone put into my head that I know of. And I asked, I asked my parents if I could take lessons. They were offering group lessons at my elementary school. Mm -hmm. um, and I was nine, which is a little bit late for some kids, yeah. but I, that's, that's how I started. We didn't even have a piano the first year. We had this like some kind of keyboard, something at home. So I would go to a friend's house once in a while and practice there. And I loved it so much. I would practice ahead of my book, but not tell my teacher. So she'd think we were starting a new song and I sounded amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Clever. I was a little bit like that as a kid. I like to like, I want to reach all the expectations and then go above them. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely something and the fact that that kind of was part of my personality growing up mm. I think the thing about wanting piano lessons feels significant because it wasn't something that I did to please anybody or that I felt was any kind of expectation it really was an intrinsic desire that I that I felt yeah wow and we're still in love. I love the piano so much. I want almost any kind of music. If I'm on a like acoustic grand piano, like you can, I'll play whatever, whatever. I'll play whatever. Mm -hmm. Except the entertainer. I will only play that for my grandmother. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Jen Jennifer, did you? Um, know that you wanted to go into music, you know, as you're kind of, you know, you're graduating high school, you're going to university. What was that like? And how did that do, how did you decide to take that full time or a, as a career choice? Cause so many people love music, but it's, you know, it's, it's a side thing or it stays a side thing. And what was that like for you? Um, that was definitely a long process as a kid. It it wasn't really in my thoughts as a career choice. Just like, I just love to play the piano. Um, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I was influenced by 1980s TV sitcoms. I'd like to be an architect, maybe like Elise Keaton from Family Ties. <laughs> maybe go to marketing like Angela Bauer from <laughs> Who's the Boss. <laughs> I did though as a kid have a sense like I do want to I do want a career like I want to I want to work in the world but the being a professional musician growing up in Calgary I didn't really have much of a picture of what that could look like mm. and I felt like Concert pianist is competitive to a level that I knew I didn't have a desire to do that enough to 
rise to the level that you would need a rise. Right. And yeah, that's, that's all, that's all that I thought too. Jackie and I were both music majors in our first year of university. Well, Jackie, I think finished her full music degree, but um, that's all I had in mind too. I was like, well, I can either be an orchestra conductor or a concert guitarist and that's <laughs> it. So, yeah. So that, it's amazing that things kind of broadened and it'd be great to, to hear how that broadened. But yeah, I, because I could only see those two paths, either concert pianist or education. And I decided I, I didn't want either of those. So I want to explore other options. And I went to Mount Royal College. And my first year, I was a... Uh, I was thinking of going to physics. Oh, nice. Yeah. Physics, yeah. In high school, I was really good with math and science. And so I actually really found physics really interesting. Um, so I took a year of college. But while I was there, I started to realize that this is really cool. And I would feel very cool saying that I was a physicist. <laughs> but I didn't love it. So in high school, I got involved with Young Life and th through that connection. And I mean, I always I just had been a kid who thought about the big quotes all the time and thought about God a lot and thought about the meaning of life. And so in late in high school, I, it's weird. I don't know how I would want to say this now, mm -hmm. <laughs> but at the time I would say I gave my life to Christ yeah. and, but, and that put me on a, on a different journey and focus. And I was still involved with young life. I, became a, a leader with that organization and they discipled me in a lot of ways. And so I thought maybe I would go into ministry. Mm. And so after that one year in science, I decided to go to Rocky Mountain College and my major was church music and youth ministry so the music's kind of getting in there a little bit, but right. it sort of has this security of being connected to ministry, right? Because it's like, yeah, I'm doing music, but it's for this other purpose. Right. And I think there was something about that that just had a little bit of safety about something in me being hesitant to be like, oh, I'm going to full on be a musician. But after a couple of years, I decided I, I wasn't going to go into youth ministry. You know, I just realized that that wasn't really me. It wasn't what I really wanted to do. So I changed my major to church music and biblical theology. And I was thinking music ministry. I mean, all this time, I really wasn't certain about where I wanted to go. It's just, you know, best guesses and give them a try and and so that but that shift right there where I started to focus more on music ministry was a shift in me of putting music more of a focus in my career even though connected to 
the church. It's interesting how church, like, yeah, that, that that's a fascinating approach because church tends to sideline music. Is music, I mean, at least at least on the evangelical side, music is kind of one of those necessary components to ministry, which is the central things. Ministry is central, and anything related to that is, well, it's necessary, so we should probably develop it a little bit, but if we can minister, that's the, the central thing. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So what, what then uh, led you away from uh, actually serving God? <laughs> oh, love that question. <laughs> How were you led astray? <laughs> you know, it was the jazz. Um <laughs> all right beware the jazz okay all right it's interesting because then near the end of high school I I found a church I started going to church which I wasn't I did when I was a really a a very young but then we, we stopped which was fine I and but I started going to church and being a piano player, you know, at some point, somebody says, like, you should join the worship team. And, and, and so I did. And the thing about it, I, I was very classically trained. I did a Royal Conservatory. I was playing Bach and Beethoven and Mozart. And nobody ever said, hey, you want to just uh, play off these chords? Right. And so now I'm sitting with this worship team and they give me this. It's, it's not even <laughs> like it's not, music. not sheet music. <laughs> it's lyrics with some chord symbols on top. Right. And I understand all these chords. You know, I can arpeggiate them. <laughs> I play them in all their versions. I can do that on the fly. But um how to do that with a band I I I had to I had to learn how to do that which which was great I mean it really expanded what what I was able to do as a musician but I I just started listening to recordings and listening to what other people were doing and found ways to do that even even there I just want to point out like the music again is kind of on the periphery like the chords are as simple as we get and what's central is the lyrics, right? And not even the melody is written in. Like, we've moved so far from hymnals, right? And choral arrangements to, like, choruses with chords. Like, that's that speaks to a lot of how, I guess, low music is regarded within, I guess, Western contemporary Christianity. Like, it's... Or would you say, like... Low. A, a certain kind of music or certain yeah maybe music for the music for the peasants is that <laughs> is that an okay way of putting it oh, suck. <laughs> I, used to lead, I used to lead music church music i mean all through college i led a worship <laughs> time friday nights and it was you know eight people on acoustic guitars and half of them couldn't play but that didn't matter 
I mean. Yes. Okay. Well, we can, I mean, there's a whole. Sure. We don't need to get into that, but I mean, what I'm recognizing is like music wasn't central at church. So you weren't even seeing music as like a career through church. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. All right. Keep going on your story. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but now, I mean, yeah, you've a- opened up a whole ton of topics. Um, but sure, we can refocus. I, yeah, it expanded. I mean, and depending on what settings you're in, there are various ways the music might come, but learning to just play off of chords change things. And then I, and then because I was kind of thinking like, Oh, I want to get better at this. Mm. And I think some of my thought was, um, I hadn't really been exposed to jazz very much growing up. And my, my last classical piano teacher in high school brought in, I, I don't remember she did like a, a class or something with someone she knew who was a jazz player. And he came in and, and it's, it's a little bit fuzzy because it's been a long time now, but I started to get a little bit of instruction about jazz music and how it works. And and I, ha- I think I had this thought of like, well, if I really want to understand chords, jazz music is much more complicated than just rock music. So if I learn how to play jazz, then, I mean, I'm going to be covered. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's the- your working ahead that you did when you were a kid. I'm going to get really good before I need this. Yeah. Yes. If I do jazz... I will understand everything. <laughs> I mean, the the truth is, and I and obviously that's my perspective has changed because different genres have very specific um, idiomatic things about them that uh, yeah that you that you need to learn a different a different groove a different way that they use the chords, but the theory. Yes, honestly, it it really did expand a lot of that for me. But then, of course, I start I started taking jazz lessons. But then I fell in love with jazz. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, it, yeah. That expanded. That expanded what I could do as a musician and how I understood music, and I to see how learning that different genre even changed how I play classical music. Mm. Classical music and learning that, I mean, all your notes are there and there are interpretive things that you need to learn to play it well, but you can also get by with just like, I'll just play these notes and I'll play them in the rhythm and I played the song. But when you're playing jazz, and I'm not saying that's good, but you can do it. <laughs> and people will be like, yeah, she, she can play that song. 
But with jazz, you have to connect with the groove and the rhythm is so central to what makes that what it is that I started to see how classical music also has a groove. Hmm. And when you connect with that, you, you play it in a way that has a different kind of energy and that can bring it alive in a way that's different than just like, I'm going to play these notes in this rhythm and sure, I'll do, you know, the accents or whatever it's telling me. Mm. But to get that sense of flow, which working within a different genre, I started to understand that. So, I mean, I, I'm connecting these dots of like, here's all the technical stuff I need to know. And that's like, well, I have cells that reproduce and I have DNA that tell the cells what to do. And, mm. you know, but to really be alive, there has to be a groove, a flow, a rhythm that to, to actually live a purposeful life. I, I mean, I can feed myself and, you know, go to, go to work and all that. But like there is this other part of life that is actually really living. And in music, without the jazz, you you wouldn't have like we. Were you connecting with music so, so, so much deeper once you learned jazz or like here's your classical training. You finished your ARCT, which is very technical and very demanding. I mean, from my perspective, maybe for a pro like you, (laughs) but it is. Okay. So, and then is jazz like twice as exciting and engaging (laughs) and all that, or it's not that I didn't have some sense of emotion and rhythm and energy and life with classical music. I feel that expanding into the jazz realm just expanded that okay, and expanded the depth of my connection with that. Hmm. Like what does music and you can take this however you want to do it, but what does music do in humans then? So like, what do you, is that too big of a question, Jennifer? But what does it do? Like why, I, I always want to get to like, it is so powerful mm-hmm. um, and it, it shapes your brain in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And what does it do in us? So what, as, as a person, as a musician who is capable in all these different genres and um, finds life in all of them, but put all that together, what does it do in you to humans? Like, why are, why do we do music? Mm-hmm. It's not necessary to like biologically live, is it? Or right. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> yes, right. And um, yeah, where to start with that? There is so much about music that is it involves your your whole self yeah of um your brain your body your emotion mentally mm. and the way that it 
communicates and connects us. I have, I think that the way that music can speak to our emotions Hmm. is one of the most powerful things. I had, uh, you know, I was at this um, retreat center in Connecticut once Mm -hmm. and they had this, I mean, old upright piano there that I, when I, I, one day I was just playing, I like just whatever I want. I was, hmm. And um, there was a pastor who like was in residence there with his wife and his wife came out. And after I was playing, she was talking with me and she said, when you play, it's like, I can feel what you're feeling. Hmm which was a really powerful statement to me about something I already knew, but it was an interesting way of her to say it. Mm. Like without words, hearing you play, it's like she can hear a a part of me. And, you know, music can change a mood and the vibe and there is something healing about that and some in a way that we can connect with each other and even with parts of ourselves that I I can't think of anything else that does it the same way yeah I I think I would agree like there's something about like even talking about the arts there is something very specifically unique about how music um affects and draws us in I don't yeah in like I all now I'm thinking about movies and soundtracks and how manipulative mm. and oh cheap, uh and cheap they use like music is used in such an uh, it's almost abusive I mean there and and yet there is really authentic music and like some of the best soundtracks like there is an authentic um piece to that what makes music more authentically true um yeah can you answer that (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) well i mean i feel like there's some more clarifications there Uh, what I guess You're, maybe instead uh, of true, can we use the word honest? Like, is there honest music? I, I was, yeah, that's a, that is a, that is a better word. Hmm. Um, I think for, for what we're trying to get at. Tr- um, oh, and this can be just for you. I don't think it has to be like globally true for every musician, but can you sense, okay, I can take it to musical theater you're playing the same thing every night Mm. and Mm -hmm. is there a point where Mm. it's no longer true or honest where you're just hammering out the tunes and collecting your paycheck like eh, that's a pretty crass way of putting it but I, I I can totally speak to this yeah I can I can do something with that I'm I'm going to go, I'm going to go back though. So 
with my own journey with music, I went through, there are, there are a couple paths I've taken that, that are different. So before I, at one point in my journey, I, 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 I started a, a jazz trio, right? Which you mentioned, I, and I did two, well, one full album and one EP with that trio and we performed in some different places and it was very much an artistic endeavor in that we we played what we wanted and I you know wrote original tunes and what we created was this artistic thing And that is a, that is a different path than when you are, or when I get hired for a job that is a specific, um, I'm being hired to play this musical show yeah. or, I mean, that can be in other arenas too, where I'm, I'm hired to play this song or I'm hired to fill, you're hired to fill a role really. And Obviously, there's some crossover there, too, depending on what kind of jobs you get. And can't feel like I'm meandering, but I'm trying to I still have your question. It's still inside. (laughs) There have been. okay. I'm going to keep laying some foundation. Okay. So even my approach to being a professional musician has changed over time. And there was a time when I was more focused on my trio. And, and some of that choice just came out of knowing there are so many different directions I could move towards hmm. with my career. And I, I think actually at one point I had a therapist tell me, like, make a list and then choose one because I was so overwhelmed. Like, yeah. well, should I do this? Should I try and do this? Should I try and do auditions? Should I try and work with this? Should I? And I mean, it was good advice and I took it and I, and I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on the trio, but the trio was not my end all. Hmm. It was just a way to keep myself moving forward hmm. and to build a, a vision about something. And it, because if you're doing things that just creates more opportunities to do more things when you're playing and when you're out there and you're meeting people. Mm-hmm. And I was also at the time I started teaching piano. I, I started teaching piano lessons when I was in high school. This is something I knew how to do. And uh, it, piano is still a very popular instrument to learn. And so once you start teaching, you have a few students. I mean, it just starts to grow if you're doing well and people like you. And, and I, I didn't want to just take little gigs here and there if I didn't really want to play for them. Mm. Cause I felt like, you know, I could teach and I'll make more money for my time mm. than some of these little gigs. So that economically makes more sense to me. I'll teach that way. I have the freedom to choose what I go play for. I can work on the trio. If it's not making money, 
that's okay. I've got this other source of income and it's all, you know, connected. And I, and, and there have been situations when I've had to navigate, you know, having to play for something I don't really want to play for and how to, mm. how to do that and how to be present. And in some of those things, I would decide like, I, like I'm never, I, I don't want to play in that situation anymore. <laughs> right. Um, and there is a part of that where I, because music is so much, takes so much of your heart and your emotion and who you are, there's, there is something you have to, you are giving. Mm. And um, I, I don't know if I'm explaining this very well. Yeah how to do that it, there's a certain kind of integrity and i mm. and and it's different for different people something that really bothers me might not bother somebody else at all right and it's like yeah i just play this what's the what's the big deal <laughs> <laughs> so some of that has has changed in that I started to get really burnt out on teaching. Yeah. I, for, for a multitude of reasons, but at some point I felt like it was taking too much out of me. Mm. And, and I, and I wasn't playing and performing as much as I wanted to. And then especially living in LA, I felt like I could, I mean, I could teach anywhere. And me and LA have this bit of a love hate relationship, but if I'm going to be here and making the kinds of sacrifices I need to, to be able to just live in Los Angeles, I don't want to just be teaching. I mean, I, I want to be playing or else I want to do something else. Right. And the effort and the work I put into the trio, there are times where that, that also tired me out of you're constantly having to try and promote things, which is not a natural thing in me. And it is hard to build an audience. And if you don't have an audience, it's kind of like, well, why am I doing this? And I, you know, we'd, Mm-hmm. go play a gig there'd be like 12 people there and you know if you're in a really tiny space and there's 12 people that can feel great but not if it's spaced out and like that kind of energy with your audience really affects how your gig's gonna go and mm. I mean that's also part of being on an artist but really questioning like why am I doing this what is it for Yes, it's my honest story, especially my second EP, really, that, that is a way of me telling my story. It's so close to my heart. Mm. And it's not that nobody was listening, but you're not getting that kind of feedback. You know, and I, people will talk about like, oh, my friends play, I want to go out and support that artist. And, the, and the, I... I don't want people to come out to my show to support me. <laughs> I mean, it's very nice of you, but 
I don't want this to be about me. I, I want to create something that benefits you. And, and if it's not, then why am I doing this? Hmm. And, and so that, that brought me to a different place. So I, I was tired of teaching. I, I, some of my artistic endeavors kind of broken my heart. Hmm. And I seriously thought about, I mean, I will always go through this thing of like, do I really want to be a musician? Blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> but in 2016, I, I started actually seriously thinking about changing careers mm. and looking into other options. And, um, and I was teaching less and less because I didn't really I wasn't trying to get students because I didn't really want them anymore, <laughs> but I needed to make some money. And I've, I've done some musicals over the years. Um, some friends that I know from college were contracting for a few different companies. And so I had a connection there and over the years, if I had more time, some, I would just reach out to them even and be like, Hey, I've, got some availability if you have something coming up. So started doing a little bit more work in that, which I hadn't done as much before because it's like, I have to drive so far. The pain's not that great. Why am I doing this? Yeah. So, but that led me to, um, yeah, being this place I was thinking of, I was thinking about leaving LA. I was thinking about other careers and kind of trying to learn some other things and sort of putting some stuff out there in some other directions. And then I was doing this one musical and the music director who was new to me just happened to also be the music director for the tour of Motown the musical. And they were going out on a second national tour of that show and his previous associate conductors were not available. It was really much like a timing sort of thing mm. that I happened to be playing this show with him and he happened to be looking for somebody. And so that opportunity came up and I was like, what? I say about not going into music anymore. <laughs> Um, but long story short, I, I ended up saying yes. And that really changed the direction of things. But this is the first time I did a tour where I'm playing a show mm -hmm. for eight and a half months as the same show night after night after night. Right. I feel lucky it was Motown, the musical, and that's awesome music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I did learn some things about me and I, um, with with what it means to play. Sorry, now I feel like I'm coming back to your question. What it means to play in a role, but also be your authentic self. Hmm. And at that point, I started to experience it differently than I maybe had in previous times because I had this opportunity to play show after show after show that can get very tiring. But I found 
that um, there there is a way, and I'm not saying there isn't some point where it's like, yeah, honestly, in this musical situation, I just can't do it. Hmm. But there is a huge amount of musical situations that I can't, and you find a way to to do your job, but also every musician plays in a way that is very unique to them and who they are. Mm. Um, How you play your notes, your tone, how you attack things, uh, how you play within that rhythmic framework. Some types of music, there is more room for, you know, maybe playing within the structure, but doing it in some slightly different ways that Mm -hmm. still work with the genre, that still work with the tune, but are giving it a bit of a different slant. So ways that you find to be creative, but staying within your framework. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, you know, even creativity does work that way when you have certain boundaries it gives you an opportunity to be creative in a very specific way because of those boundaries and finding that playing the same show night after night after night it would it would it would feel different night after night after night um right where your other musicians are what's going on on stage what's going on with your audience creates a really different vibe and being on tour and this type of tour where we have five musicians that we tour and then we hire local musicians in every city that we're at that really changes what the interaction feels like in the band Hmm. and then I found I would start to hear the music differently Um, and I would naturally start to play the music (laughs) in different ways like it was on an on on a on another level but finding this realm of where i connect with the role that i'm in um that sorry that sounds so um like i I, i'm hearing so many interesting things in there one about integrity Cause we kind of know we're talking about like what makes music true or honest, but there's maybe that the best, like when you said integrity, I was like, Oh, that's, that's the thing we're looking for where it's a inner and outer integrity where what you are living and breathing and going through in your own life has to be connected to what you're putting out there as an artist. And I wonder if that's part of like the role of an artist in our culture too, is like, like, please draw back to integrity. Like there's, there's a wholeness. Like I find that's what artists always call me to do. And then artists themselves do that because they have to live it. Like you cannot put something out. That means nothing. That means, you know what I mean? But I also love yeah. how you're describing um, the creativity within boundaries or within repetition or any of these things. So I'm taking this, uh, like, I'm just thinking about, you know, what does it mean to live an embodied faith, uh, and these sorts of things. And part of an embodied faith would be to do 
this integrity work, but within the, some sort of bounds of like relationships. So, you know, like someone could just be their full integral self and burn every bridge and not have a relationship. Like I'm, I'm drawing this into other places that aren't musical, but I'm just hearing what you're saying in a really profound way. Um, and figuring out how to do that night after night, day after day, how to live an integral, um, how to offer an integral experience and live in an integral way um, every single day. I Like there's something really profound about that actually that I've never really thought about before, especially in your role as, as you know, someone who tours. And then add on to that the gift of joy and the gift of the rhythm and the gift of in, inviting other people into that integral process. There's something really interesting and cool there. So that's my, I totally interrupted you. Cause I was just like, Oh, I want to say that, but <laughs> I don't know where that, that, I don't know if there's a question there, but I really, um, the work of a musician is they lead us into those spaces. Hmm. I, I really resonate with that room for creativity. Um, so, and, and you mentioned jazz earlier on, like jazz kind of, maybe there's too much room within those bounds in jazz that a lot of people can't really connect to, um, kind of the far out jazz. But when you have, and Motown, I mean, when you're, you were talking about Motown, like I can see, oh, like it's going to be familiar people are going to recognize the music and they're expecting more. They aren't expecting you to put on, you know, an Aretha Franklin CD and, <laughs> and mime to it. Right. So um, yeah, I, I like that. I love that room for creativity that, um, and, and without that, you can't really be a musician, a true musician. Or do you have to learn? Do you have to learn to be creative within those? Like you have to learn how to do that. Uh, you need a skill set. You know, there's even still a way, even if I, and honestly with, um, with some shows, I will play the exact same notes night after night. Hmm. Exactly. I, I will play the ink to the T again and again and again, unless I make a mistake. Um, and there are ways that you can still play exactly the same notes and maybe be playing it a little bit different every night, hmm. depending on what's going on. So, I mean, there there's a range within. Oh, I understand that. I mean, there there is a, you know, there, there's like in singing, like just you change your breath a little bit and it changes. Like, I, I understand like there's, but that's, that is the creativity where you're, yes. you know, you're, you're adding, you know, you're, you're adding more force to the notes or, or, le you know, like there, there is a lot of range and you aren't changing a single note. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. You can read yes. the music a little differently. Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, even if you, I mean, you said you do some conducting or you've done some conducting, like mm -hmm. different conductors are going to draw different things. It's the same. Yes. Every musician is expected not to be super creative. 
<laughs> don't embellish don't embellish but certain types we don't want right now yeah yeah mm. um but a different i mean there are the great conductors and because they were able to draw out and and recreate those pieces mm. um maybe differently from night to night um yes do you yes, want to talk I mean, a little bit about conducting? Like, what, what has that been like for you? Yes. I'll talk a little bit about it from both sides. And what's like working with a lot of different conductors and what it's, it's like to conduct. I, when I first started getting into conducting, it was during my undergrad. And I actually, I had to take conducting courses. It's just required. <laughs> I didn't think I would love it as much as I did. And, but the focus at a Bible college was more on choral conducting. Mm-hmm. And, but I learned about the influence that you have, especially on vocalists who are using all these muscles mm. that a lot of them work unconsciously or subconsciously or, or, you know, they're not like thinking, okay, I got to form my, you know, there's some things they're thinking about, but there's a lot that you're not thinking exactly how you're going to move certain muscles to get yourself to sing. And, and if you work too hard at it, then you tense everything up actually works against you. But what a person sees can influence them in a way they don't realize th- that certain certain motions from a conductor can feel restrictive or can bring about tension that you don't even realize that that's happening and other motions you know then we'll do the opposite can free you up huh can help free up your natural instrument to produce sounds in a, in a way that's facilitating. So seeing conducting, not just as communicating the information of where the beat is, what the dynamic is, but also in a way that is facilitating that to happen. And of course that happens with instrumental music too. It's just that it can happen in a bit of a different way. But there is something really exciting about conducting and really feel like you're connecting and influencing your orchestra, your choir. Um, And that interaction Hmm. that, uh, I mean, they basically are your your instrument. Uh I mean, and for me, as, as a player, you know, working with conductors, working with other musicians, it's, it can be very um, much about the connection and personalities. And, you know, with some, just like with some people, you kind of have a natural flow and you understand each other and stuff comes out and other people, it's just like, it's just disconnect. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that also happens with musicians some musicians I play with it's just like oh somehow we are just 
easily on the same plane and others it's like I don't I, I oh I'm having a hard time connecting hmm. making this work same with conductors and some conductors I I understand what they want immediately we don't even have to talk about it and other conductors it, it, it can take time to try to know what's going on and I don't connect intuitively it takes a little bit more energy mm-hmm. um mm. but there have definitely been conductors who when I play for them I am I am a better player than I am just on my own and then there are conductors when I play for them I have to work harder because somehow <laughs> the, mm. the connection isn't there and in some ways it can almost block me from being free to play in the flow that I need to, to play, but there's a huge, yeah. yeah. That's so fascinating. Cause there seems, I mean, again, how humans have devised invented somehow created music and it's always played together and done together. And there's something in this alchemy of when two different beings come together and it's never kind of predictable there. It could go any way and they have to work together. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Um, like that's actually so interesting. It like, it speaks of the power of communicating and connecting and that interaction and back and forth that happens so subtly or not, or not subtly, but subconsciously, like we don't always think about it, but it still happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, I mean, it made me think of the power of um, conductors in general, <laughs> like that's a whole, like all these power dynamics probably there because they have that capacity to, to bring stuff out or not. Um, but then it, this makes me want to ask this question too, which kind of gets back to like, I mean, where you are right now with the p- pandemic, but the lack of live venues and live music and what that does to you and to like the the our culture is there something that happens in live music that happens nowhere else because I think sometimes people are like well you know we don't need it it's not a necessary thing it's not an essential service um I can listen to my Spotify account in the background do you know what I mean but there's something in even just hearing you talk um, that has got me really kind of worked up about like, oh, what are we missing? And what is not happening in our cultures when we're not doing music in real time together? Mm-hmm. What is that doing to us? I don't know. Could you speak to what that's been like for you and what you see as a result of not having live music? Hmm. Yes, I know in this time there has been, you know, things that have become available online or live streaming a show or concerts, different things like this, which is something. But, um, you know, I think we all <laughs> would agree that being on our screens takes a certain toll on us than actually being in person with people. And in the same way, there is something about a live performance that there's no other way to do it because the 
performers are influenced by their audience and the vibe that is there, the way that they respond in real time, in person, that they can hear that. You don't hear that if you're live streaming something. I mean, that would be chaos if you had everybody turn their mics on. <laughs> yes. So then you're just like, you know, playing into the void yeah. and, and not getting re a response. Mm -hmm. How like the difference, it's like the difference between bu buying like live albums and studio albums. Like those live albums, you can hear the energy and joy far more than in some even if they're really earnest at the you know at that in that little glass cage with the microphone and you know like it, it's it they are very different yeah. they're just they're, there's an exuberance that is not in the studio mm -hmm. yeah you're gonna get a different energy in the studio you're gonna get whatever energy is going on between your musicians mm -hmm, and right. even in that it can depend on how it's been produced I mean, yeah. with my, my albums, it was really important to me that we did it all together. Right. Yeah. Um, but a lot of albums, if, especially right now, if musicians can't be in the same room, you can still produce an album and you lay on different tracks and they do it at different times. So you got a click track. Yeah. But that's going to have service it. or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. going to have a different energy yeah. too. And all of those have in, integrity in and of and what they are. Yeah, right. but they're they're not a live and a and a live show. I mean, when you're thinking, I'm playing this for recording. I mean, it's a little bit more like creating a a painting. You're going to put this down, and and this is what it's it's going to be, and you have that in your mind. Hmm. But when you're doing a live show, whether it's recorded or not recorded, there is this in the moment thing about it that brings a different kind of freedom where you, you know, you might do some things you, you didn't plan for that were unpredictable. Not that that couldn't happen on an album, but. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's energy. going to pass. Yeah. I mean, people aren't going to remember this one thing you tried that didn't work. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it, I, it, like what you're describing is sounds way more freeing to play live. I yeah, mean, you're not pressure, under but... the same kind of mi microscope. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah people could re-listen to something and be like, oh, I heard what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to comb through it. Yeah. Yes. Whereas a live performance, it's, it's that moment. If you want to take a risk, I mean, the risk is just for the moment. It's not yeah. going to be set for eternity. And yeah. your audience does. Your audience influences um, just the, the energy Plus, I think as an audience member, when you are physically in the room, mm. the way that you hear and receive the performance is in a different realm. There's, it's so fascinating. I think because it's, it does something to our bodies. Like you were just saying, like mm. it, you are sensing the vibrations in a different way when it's like live across air. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're, you're feeling it. And so your whole self is like brought right into that moment. I do think like, that's why music, can, like you were saying earlier, could be manipulative in some ways. Like if you use it in that way to draw out certain emotions that you want to capitalize on, 
but then that's also it's because that's its power like it because it draws you right in yeah interesting i i mean i could go on about how that is but i i am feeling for my musicians even more now like in this time when that can't happen and it's been a year and yeah i don't it's it that's a grief like i'm i'm mourning like we have to mourn it like you would mourn a death because there's something so I don't know what's the word not right about it and I, I understand why and we understand all the reasons and those are good reasons too but there is a um an a love that's been severed or something we need that's been severed in that moment of no live music for especially for my musician friends like yeah it's been a hard year yeah mm-hmm this the time has been uh, what do I want to say about this time the challenge of you know losing uh, there's no tours going on theaters aren't open Broadway's still closed not that I that I work there but just uh, to, to have I mean to be so much into the theater industry and to have that completely shut down of like, um, no opportunities to not be doing the thing Mm -hmm. that I feel is my meaningful way to be in the world. Yeah. This analogy has been what's been on my um, my way to explain how that's been feeling to to me. And obviously, it's just an analogy. If 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 I was, I'm not married, but if I was married. And my husband went into a coma and the doctors were telling me, we're quite certain he's going to come back. We don't know when, Mm. Um, but he's coming back. You know, there's, there's a, there's a loss because I don't Mm. have his full presence. I wouldn't have his full presence, but it's not completely gone. Mm. It's a hope and a loss. And and it would be ridiculous if people were to ask me, so are like, are you gonna just maybe date a little bit while he's in a coma, you know? Um you gotta just take a different direction with your life now. Right. I I mean, I definitely don't want to say I understand what it would be like to be in that situation mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of been the way that I've been able to explain a little bit how mm-hmm. how it's felt right now and how to still have that commitment in myself to mm-hmm. this this pro- profession and I feel like for me it's 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 not just a career it's so much a part of who I am it's so much a part of who I live how I live 
And so I feel that I have to keep, I have to keep choosing it Mm. Um, every day of the pandemic. And it's not that I don't go into times of doubting that. It's not that I don't doubt that in normal times (laughs) and in this profession and in regular non-pandemic times, you deal with a lot of uncertainty about the next gig or how long it's going to last or if it's going to happen. And it's this, it's this whole nother level mm-hmm. of, um, yeah, of mourning and missing something so integral to who I am and how I function yeah. in the world. And yeah, that, that has been the, the challenge of uh, among the I mean the mass of so many in-person interactions that we are missing mm-hmm. and the life that we normally draw out of that yeah mm. yeah that's a beautiful and um griefy way to put it like <laughs> the, I say griefy when I want to explain like that feeling (laughs) or it just feels like a grief um yeah is there anything that's bringing you life right now hope a new musician you discovered somehow (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes there is there's always hope yeah somewhere in there Mm -hmm. I I feel like I've had like some crumbs of work that have helped me to have something to, to focus on and to work on Um, staying uh, in touch with other musicians, just to be reminded of Mm -hmm. not being alone in that. And I mean, a lot of the, imagining what it will be like when that comes back and um and and trusting in that and knowing that that's still what I really want Mm -hmm. um and I am you know as a musician you're always you're always growing and it's even on your own you can fall down a hole of trying to get better at something or understand something or music I'll listen to that I want to try and figure out or different areas in my own playing that I either want to just keep up Mm -hmm. or get better at and learning to do uh, I got logic pro x (laughs) and so diving into understanding that program better and being able to make my own recordings Mm. um and create in that way i've those are some of the things that i've ways to invest in ways to keep investing in the music Mm -hmm. and i I think the motivation connected there is that it is something that will continue yeah when i get back on the road of something is something that will continue when we're back to performing live again, that's something that will um, will add to 
the future experience mm-hmm. yeah. of who I will be when we come back and what I can bring. Mm-hmm. Our recording today has been done online from our homes. Music graciously provided by Jennifer Oikawa. Check out Escape Plan to Canada by the Jen Oikawa Trio. One thing we'd like to develop more of is a conversation with our listeners. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, find us on Instagram at the Podcast Made Flesh, no spaces, or on Facebook. Like our page and follow us to get all our updates. Mm-hmm.